This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Homesdale Radio and thank you for downloading this special podcast. This show was originally recorded as part of the Burnley Preview Pod, but we've cut out all of that to bring you both interviews from our special guests, Ian Walsh and Vince Allaire, from our 1979 winning team. Remember to join Terence and the team every Thursday for his preview podcasts. Enjoy. Homestel Radio Preview Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Right, so now's the time in the show where we talk about our classic match and we have one of the all-time Palace classics here. It's the 11th of May 1979 and it's Crystal Palace looking for victory to climb up to Division 1. And joining me, Patrick and Nick, we have a very, very exciting guest. We have Ian Walsh scoring the first goal that day. Welcome, Ian. Uh, hi, how are you guys? All right? How you doing, yeah. Ian? W- welcome to the show, mate. Yeah, it really is privilege. Thanks very much. Mate, um, I'm, I was only born in 1982, so I obviously missed this. Uh, <laughs> the, the other two chaps, one was at the game and one was uh, gone to a lot of games that season. So I'll just start off before those two wade in with a couple of questions. But how did how did you get that much power on that header? Well, I'd, I'd, I'd been practicing for a while. You know, I was um, that was more my strength than anything else, and uh, I'd been practicing for a while. You know, and when you've got great wide players like Vinnie you know, putting the the ball across to you, I think the pace was in the cross more than my power. I just had to get the accuracy on it and. Fortunately, it was one of my all-time favourite goals, you know, to score a goal just inside the penalty box in the top corner in such a massive game. It took the pressure of everybody and, uh, yeah, I can I could relive that as if it was yesterday. And what was what was the noise like? Because it's still, to this day, Crystal Palace's record attendance at Sellers Park, which is, you know, maybe unlikely ever to be broken, but it must have been quite a noise. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I've still got pictures uh, of... Um, I, th- I think it would have been the home to the road end uh, when it was all standing, or possibly it was the other end. I don't, I can't remember back in the day, but uh, it was amazing. You know, we scored, you know, fifty-two thousand in there. I think four or five thousand couldn't get in on a night. Uh, I brought loads of family up from South Wales, and uh, you know, it was one one real right night to remember. It certainly was one of the nights that I wish I could have been at. But Nick, you you were there. Um, have you got any questions for Ian? Ian, uh, first of all, thanks for that goal. But 
Um, I don't know if uh, anybody's ever told you, but you actually owe me a pair of Dr. Martin boots that <laughs> night when that he- when that when that header went in. Okay, yeah. I got crushed. Okay, and my brand new leather Dr. Martin boots got torn by the crowd. Okay, and I hold you personally responsible. But it was worth every penny of it. Well, just just send send me the bill in the post, uh, and you might get an answer. So I've got to ask you no, about. The bi- it, I've got to ask you about the build-up to the game. Uh, there's two conflicting crowd sizes. It said 51,800 and 51,400. I know the doors were locked on that night, uh, probably by about 6 o'clock. What was it like in the change rooms, knowing full well that it was going to be that sort of size crowd? Well, we knew the importance of the game. You know, I think it was literally, if, if we, we win, we go up as champions. And I think we possibly, even if we drew the game, it might not have been good enough. So the pressure was on, and uh, for the final few games of the season, you know, um, Terry Venables took us away to a hotel, and sort of we had a bit of lunch. We trained in the morning, had a bit of lunch, and then sort of all relaxed in in sort of bedrooms throughout the afternoon. And um, when we got to the ground, it was just unbelievable. You know, it's the tightest place to get to anyway, Sellers Park, but trying to get our coach literally a couple of miles from the hotel down to the ground was unbelievable you know we were just having everybody was tapping you know it was all very friendly tapping the bus wishing us good luck we got in there it was just a relief to get out of the coach and into the changing room and then we all obviously went out to have a look at the pitch as you do as a, as a professional just to see what sort of studs you might wear but that's the adrenaline amongst all the players you'd look into the people's eyes there you know the the great team that we had from you know John Burridge at the back Jimmy Cannon Billy Gilbert Kenny Sansom you know Peter Nicholas Swindy Dave Swindlers up front and and countless more Terry I could go through them all Paul Hinshelwood Terry Fennick you know Jerry Murphy all absolutely top class players at the time and I think there was just a silence in the changing room and a confidence really because we knew we had the best defensive record we struggled a bit to score goals in that season but the defenders and and the goalkeeper were phenomenal for us but you know and then all of a sudden about half an hour before kickoff we were down in the changing rooms we could hear the buzz building up in the ground and uh, you know and when we actually went out to start the game it was just unbelievable you couldn't hear your teammates screaming at you it was that it was that emotional it was that uh, frantic and and uh, to this day as i said I, you know the reason why i've come on your show is because i remember it like it was yesterday and uh, even though one of you guys there wasn't born at the time <laughs> well you say um we struggled to score goals that season it's quite amazing that a team can go up as champions scoring only 51 times in 42 games so at half-time being nil-nil and getting on into the second half, was, was there any worry that the goal wasn't going to come? Um, well, obviously there, there was worry and it was sort of my job and, and Dave Swindlers and Vince Hilaire. They were, you know, we were the three sort of goal scorers, if you like, and a couple from midfield. Um, but, you know, there, there was a worry and we played against Burnley and one of my great uh, mates in football is a lad called Leighton James who played for Burnley and he was a Welsh international player. And I'll change the words slightly. As we trotted onto the pitch to start of the second half, he said to me, Walshy, if we go one up, you'll crap yourself. <laughs> and I said, you most probably will. And so I've changed a couple of words. But, of course, when that cross came in and I managed to get the perfect connection on it and it sailed into the roof of the net, the act pressure was completely taken off because we knew we had the defence 
that would uh, keep a clean sheet. So even though it was a bit tentative and then Swindy got a, a second goal in the game to, to relieve all the tension, it was just unbelievable. One of the best nights, uh, you know, I played three, four hundred league games, different clubs. I played international football. I'll tell you that that is right up there, the atmosphere that night. And to be able to, to help Palace win the game and get promotion was unbelievable. What was I always like about this as well and going on to become the team in the 80s, so-called, and is that it was home-built. And um, Patrick, you wanted to ask about sort of the youth system around that time. Yeah, yeah, no, it's Patrick here. Um, I uh, Unfortunately, um, I moved to the States uh, about a month before that match. I'd been to almost every home match that year. But the year before, I got to see you, you know, all the youth players, Nicholas, Fennec, Billy Gilbert come through the system. As a question, um, did you get to play in the, any of the FA Cup youth finals those, that we won those two years? Yeah, yeah, we, we did. We won. Um, you, you'll have to, uh, you know, the, the big games I can remember, you know, right. even though we won the, the FA Youth Cup, we did win it with that team. And right. we won it a year ahead of our time. <laughs> so that was the nature of, uh, you know, how, how good those players were. And as, as you said, it was Kenny, Kenny Sansom was arguably the top player amongst the lads. It was Billy Gilbert, Peter Nicholas, myself, you know, uh, Jerry Murphy. Jerry Murphy, Vincent, right. You know, all these guys were all, all, you know, went on to play at least under 21 or full international football. So, um, and Terry Venables, you know, did a great job. You know, he, he brought a lot of the young players and, and Malcolm Allison, to be fair, to, before him, you know, signed a lot of the young players. When these, we, we were going to Crystal Palace in the old second division or third division. Right. And, you know, I had Man United after me. I had um, Aston Villa after me. I had a lot of other clubs, as did Kenny. Kenny could have gone to Tottenham, Arsenal. Vince could have gone to Chelsea. You know, but we all, for some reason, joined Crystal Palace. And, um, and it, was, it was the start of, of something quite unique. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll just add that um, the one thing I've always loved about being a player sport is, is seeing those youth players come through again. I got to, I was very lucky back in those late 70s to see you guys come through, and it's something I've always loved to see local players come through. So thanks for that again. Pleasure. Uh, um, and Ian, so I was having a little look through your Twitter today, and I saw your, your kids in, is it your kids in Paddy shirts or your grandchildren in Paddy shirts? <laughs> You've been following me. That's my grandson. Oh, yeah, very yeah, nice. My, my son... His first football kit was a Palace uh, kit. And uh, I, I've got to say, it brought a tear to my eye when, when he came home. You know, so they had all, obviously, my son had sent his sister, my daughter, a kit. And Charlie was there uh, in the kit in the back garden, just knocking a ball about. Great stuff. That's fantastic. Look, Ian, thank you so much for joining us. We'll let you get back off to your holiday in sunny Tenerife. Is it sunny out there? It is. It's brilliant. It's about just under 30, guys. So, uh not jealous at all, there, mate. People, Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Ian. Really hey, listen, guys, it's, it's, it's been a privilege uh, coming on your, your show, and uh, I always follow the Palace results, and good luck to everybody up there, okay? Fantastic, Thank you. Mate. Thank you. Bless you, Ian. Thank you. Every picture tells a story. Keep up to date with ours on Instagram at Homestale Radio. Right, and now we have another special guest joining us on this preview podcast. I can't quite believe it. Uh, we've just you've just heard from Ian Walsh, and now we've got the man that provided him with a cross, Mr. Vince Hilaire. Thank you so much for joining us, Vince. No worries at all. Right, so it's what, 1979. Does it does it feel just like yesterday, or <laughs> was is it a while ago? In my mind, it does, but my body will say different. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I've, I think I've seen the goal more times than that uh, on my 
my various returns to um, Selhurst and on uh, YouTube and um, <clears throat> on different uh, different social media sites. I've seen the goal quite a few times from, from particularly from Palace fans who um, who were there. I mean, I, I, they said it was fifty odd thousand there, but I think there was more there. I think I've met one hundred and fifty thousand <laughs> fans who actually at the game. So. Yeah. So, right, you've, the game's the game's gone on. We've got we've got uh, was it fourteen odd minutes before the end of time. When when you put that cross in, do you think Walshy's got that finishing in? Yeah. Well, I think the thing about Walshy, Walshy was you know wasn't a particularly big guy, but he had a great um, great spring. And um, between him and Swindy, I think um, uh, Mickey Elwes. Uh, started the season but um he got a bad injury around about October time and then Walshy came in and did a did a great job up front with Twindy um till the end of, end of the season and, and I think most of the most of my time was taken up in training and after training with Swindy and Walshy actually saying to me am I ever going to get a crossing in a game <laughs> <laughs> during the course of the season and uh, my, I always had the same reply to him, and my reply was, uh, I didn't know what, um, what an end product product was. I was an entertainer, and, and crossing <laughs> was very low down on my priority. And, uh, <laughs> so so uh, I thought at that time I might as well get get one in. That's what I'm stuck out in the wind for. So uh, if you get if you get a ball in the box, particularly in in Walsh's case, because he was a tremendous player in the air, then he's likely to get on the end of it. And it was, I think, it was probably. The, only, the first cross I got in the game in 40 minutes from time. It's a bit sad, really, for a wide player. <laughs> would, would you mind crossing to Christian Benteke these days? Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've watched uh, a few of the Palace games and um, watched Saturday. It's it's a bit of a it's it's a bit of a strange one for Christian Benteke because um, Palace are not so direct in their in their game now, and um, yet they've got a a centre-forward who probably thrives on being involved all the time. You know, you get some players that, if, you, if they're out of the game for, for long periods, their minds, mind tends to wander. And someone like Christian Benteke could give that, that impression. You know, it looks like he's not um, bothered or not uh, uh, on the ball. But it's, it's probably because the, the Palace build-up now is a, is a lot more, there's a lot more stuff that goes from. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. From the back to the midfield and out wide and maybe trying to get Christian Betzaka to come short. And uh, it just takes some adjusting. I think he... He probably when he signed for Palace, he probably thought he was signing for the Palace team of of last season that was a little bit more direct, and uh, not for the Palace team that played played the stuff through the middle of the park and I like Liverpool. That's probably one of the reasons why he thought he would be attracted to leave Liverpool and not and not stay there and come to Palace. <laughs> 
Uh, I certainly think he'll score goals this season. But anyway, let's get let's get back to 1979. Uh, you said there was there was definitely over 50,000 people there that night. I think the official attendance is around 51.4. Um, people there will swear there was over 60,000 people there. What, what was the noise like when that goal went in? You know, it was it was, it was phenomenal. It was a phenomenal night, um, and it was. I think it wasn't such a big roar. I think more. It was more about relief actually from the the fans. I mean, I rem- actually remembering the goal. I do remember it as if it was yesterday. And um, I didn't. I'm usually because there were so little cameras at, at games in those days. I was usually if a goal was scored and the cameras were there, I was usually one of the first there, whether I was involved in it or not, just so I could get on the TV. Um, <laughs> but it was. Um, it was uh, such a relief to score. I couldn't be bothered for once in my life to run over to Walshy, so I just turned around to uh, to Fish, Paul Incherwood, and uh, we just cuddled each other. And I said, "I think we've we've done it this time, Fish." And uh, he said, "Yeah." So um, that 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 was a, that was the most abiding memory, and the relief from the fans was was great. And I'm, and you know what, it was it, anyone who was there, it was, you know, it was easily not fifty thousand. It was you know, you could have another five or six thousand on to that it was just a just showed you really at the time i mean at the at the time we didn't consider ourselves um anywhere that anywhere near like the poor relations in london we we consider ourselves certainly on a on a par with um with chelsea and and probably on a par with tottenham even in, in even in that division so uh and we knew that we were you know that just showed us running out that night that we were at a big club one of the biggest in London. Um, so, you know, all things considered, it was a pretty memorable night. Um, you was calling Paul Hinchelwood fish there. Where, where did that nickname come from? <laughs> <laughs> well, he was very, he, he, he had a few nicknames for the Palace fans. Uh, the one from the players was fish because he had a, um, again, something that wouldn't happen now, but he had a great capacity, a drinking capacity. Um, uh, Paul. Nice. And um, also on top of that, he was, prob- he was probably one of the fittest players in the team, which doesn't bode well for us because none of the young players at, at, um, at Palace at the time were particularly big drinkers or drinkers for that matter. And um, Fish was still beating us in all the, all the, uh, the running and the, the training. <laughs> so uh, just shows you what he could have been like without that. But that's what it was basically about fish okay so how how exciting was it going up to division one at that time should you say you saw yourself that you, you belonged there was it, it was it great to actually finally be, you know you were there you were division you were in division one you were you were in the okay did you did you guys call it the promised land back then i don't know sorry sorry i'm quite young well, no, no <laughs> fans called it the promised land but the, pro, the problem i think the major problem we we had was that um there's so many of us that were we're young. I mean, I bumped into Stevie Kemba um, a couple of weeks back. He was he was down watching a game at Portsmouth, which is where I I live, just on the outskirts of, of Portsmouth now. And um, talking to Stephen, that and he looked. Uh, he, he he turned around and said, "You know what?" He said, "I I feel younger now than when I played." He said, Do it, "Doing and directing all you youngsters in that, you know for those couple of seasons that we we played." He said, "Took it out of me." He said, "I aged about fifteen years." and and um, the problem with us is that I think all the stuff that happened to us as young footballers happened far too early. And it would have been good to understand what, from the age of, from about 16 to, to 19, 20, what it was like to struggle a little bit. But we was always on the, we was always on the up till then. So really, what I think what I'm trying to say is a, 
a lot of the glory times for us at Palace, and particularly myself, was was taken for granted, you know. And um, but you, you know, you only know those things from from getting older and you know living your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vince, it's Patrick here. Um, I'm the one that Hello, moved. Patrick. How are you, Vince? Um, I'm the one that moved. I'm I to the States in 79, I was uh, lucky enough that year to go to almost every home match and then my parents decided yeah. to, to emigrate. And um, I saw you and Walshy and Vin, uh, Kenny and Billy come through the youth team. So it was, yeah. it was wonderful to see you guys do so well. But my question is, I know that we, we by winning that match, we, we pipped our old rivals Brighton to the title. How, how great did that yeah. feel? <laughs> oh, it was brilliant. <laughs> but, you know, it was... Um... The, the, the rivalry with Brighton just, just uh, I mean, everyone thinks it, go, it goes back. It, I it mean, doesn't, that right. Started, I think back in the mid, mid-70s, mid just Rep past the mid-70s. But yep. That's right. When, when Alan Mullery was there, I think about 1956, the rivalry really started. And that was, right. that was more about the, the, the managers um, not liking each other. Right. And then um, uh, Alan Mullery will turn around and say, will turn around and say it's nothing to do with that, but it, pro- it was. And um, it just spread onto the players. And, and Terry Venables made a big thing about any time we played Brighton, uh, we weren't gonna, we weren't gonna um, get beat. We'd do anything <laughs> to, to not get beat. And I, and I think it was about we had about three or four years before Brighton actually turned us over. I think it was one one Christmas or New Year's '79 or 1980. Um, after about five or six, four or five games we played against Brighton, they never beat us, and we was always turned them over. And um, I think that was probably one of my saddest days at, at Crystal Palace when they actually beat us. Yeah, mine um, too. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and I think one, one abiding memory was uh, they were so happy to be or be in the lead of about 15, 15 minutes to go. I remember um, John Gregory, um, the old Aston Villa manager, yes. who was playing for Brighton at the time there, and um, with 15 minutes to go, they was, I think, two or three no up and sitting on the ball. Um <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then, and on the on the other side of the field, and I remember uh, Fish Paul Winchell would take it off on a sixty yard <laughs> dash to, to try and try and deposit him and the ball into the stand. Oh, that's wonderful. And, uh, just at the just at the corner inside, John Gregory saw it and um, uh, quickly jumped up off the ball and um, cleared it as quick as he could and Fish put the brakes on. But he was he was after him, and um, it, that was the sort of thing. It wasn't there was no love lost between the teams, but. Um, there was a tinge, a tinge of it went out of it when they beat us after about yeah. three or four seasons because um, we, I think we had, I mean, if Palace fans had their way now, they'd probably say that they are their biggest rivals. If you live, if you're from outside the Palace Palace area, Brighton area, honestly, I, you know, I played a, a lot of football from outside the uh, after I left Palace, and they can't understand why they're such yep. big rivals. Yeah. because of the proximity of the clubs. And I'd, you try and explain to them, but they, they, don't understand. they still don't see it. <laughs> Hi, Vince. Good evening, mate. It's Nick here. I, I'm the guy that was, Hello, at, I was at the game, OK? Um, I've got a couple, Hello, of, a couple of questions for you. Um, sure. Please tell me, uh, Terence alluded to it a minute ago, that obviously we went on and got promoted. Uh, did the team of the 80s label weigh heavily on you guys, OK? And what was life like under the what turned out to be the future England manager, Terry Venables. Yeah, the, t- the team of the 80s tag was a bit unfortunate. And uh, we, the story of that is that we went up to, um, we had a great start to our campaign in the top top division. And we went to um, 
Uh, we beat Notts Forest, who were European Cup holders at the time, and um, the following weekend, we, we uh, well, we after that game, we thought we'd cracked it, basically. A bunch of young players who thought, this is just uh, the easiest thing in the world. All we do is keep winning games, and we've gone to the top of the league, and uh, who we got next week? Terry, you said Liverpool away. Uh, never played at, we've never played at Anfield Pool before, but we've beaten the European champions, and um, it can't be so so bad going up to Anfield. We've heard lots about it, and people like Doug Leash and McDermott and seen it's not a problem because we've, like I said, we've just beaten the European champions, and uh, we went up there, and they promptly smacked our backsides, and they could have won ten, and um, it was welcome to the real world then. And, yeah. Um, the, when we travelled, well, the reason I told the story is because we travelled up on the the Friday, and there was a, a, a great sports reporter called Jeff Powell from the Daily Express, who was really good mates with Terry Venables, and um, he went up with us, travelled up with us, spoke to us, listened to Terry Venables, and he's vision of football, and looked at all these these um, young players that that Terry had, who's who didn't have a care in the world. We were going up to Anfield, but it didn't bother us. We just thought we were going to be playing another friendly at Croydon or Bromley. And we treated it like that. And um, unfortunately, that that phrase was coined on the Saturday morning before the game. Yeah. And uh, it really, it should have been the team that played like they were 80, not like the team <laughs> of the 80. <laughs> so uh, it's just an unfortunate tag. And um, the Liverpool boys picked up on it. And you, you, you don't go to... The one thing you do, you don't go to, to places uh, like Anfield against one, possibly one of the, the great teams of the, the 20th century, which they were, and um, take the mickey out of them. You, you know, you have to have the right attitude. And football does that to you. You, you haven't got the right attitude or, and you take the mickey out of, of teams or players, it's got a habit of coming back to bite you on the bum. Um, unfortunately, you, you don't learn that until you're a few years in the game. As young yeah. players, you don't. You don't see that, and and with Terry Venables, he was just um, just brilliant. He, you know, anyone that's worked with him, um, he might have his critics. Uh, I, a lot, there's a lot of Palace fans that um, have criticised him because of stuff that happened in his his second spell. That's right. Um, which 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 I find very sad. Not with the fans, I find very sad for Terry because. It, tar- it sort of uh, tarnished um, the great things he had done at that football club. Um, and also tarnished a little bit like with Malcolm Allison because Big Mal bought him now. And um, they were two visionaries. And, uh, you know, I can't speak highly enough about Terry Venables as a football man. I w- and I know I'd never have been a, a footballer without him. Unfortunately, uh, when people ask me, I always say the problem with Terry Venables was that he was just too clever. <laughs> and... He was too clever to the extent where he thought that uh, I'll come away as well and get involved in the, the stuff outside football. And um, there's, there's cleverer people than Terry Venables uh, outside football, uh, yeah. i.e. Um, I'll use Alan Sugar at Tottenham as an example. Um, he's, I live now just outside Portsmouth and Terry Venables' name is Mud uh, at Portsmouth. Um, and he could have quite easily had a great name down at Portsmouth as well because they, they've got a great stand and the atmosphere is brilliant at Bratton Park, but the stand would never have built, been built without Terry Venable's input. But um, he got involved in certain things which the fans have not forgiven him for. And the same with, with um, Palace. So, you know, with Palace and Portsmouth fans, um, 
I've got great affinity with both sets of fans, and funnily enough, they've they've got great affinity with me, but they've also got great um, uh, dislike for Terry Venables, which I think is really unfair. And I always try and stand Terry's corner with when I bump into to Palace fans and Pompey fans because um, the guy doesn't deserve it. He's the you know I can't speak highly enough about his ideas about football and everything else. It might annoy a lot of people to hear that, but that that's you know how I feel and. If you talk to players that have played under him at any club, they'll say exactly the same. And they can't all be wrong, can they? Homestyle Radio, Freeview Podcast, sponsored by fanjul.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.